You're listening to the ProcureTech Podcast, your weekly show for all that's cooking in the digital procurement space. Yes, we've got the hottest startups, thought leadership, and conversation from visionary industry experts, and definitely no stiff corporate content. I'm your host, James Meads, procurement pro, digital nomad, and ProcureTech fanboy. And now, here's this week's show. Yes, a very warm welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech Podcast, where every time we bring you everything that is fun, exciting, and innovative in the digital procurement space. Today, we're going to be continuing our series talking to industry experts and thought leaders with a gentleman who's actually authored a book on a topic that is pretty divisive within the procurement community. And indeed, the technology itself is almost as old as, well, certainly not almost as old as me, but certainly almost as old as a lot of the ERP systems that are out there. We're talking about e-auctions and e-sourcing. And, you know, we've all had experience of this for better, for worse in our careers, if we've been in procurement for any given period of time, especially if we've worked in some larger organizations that have adopted uh, some of these platforms that are out there. And, depending on what technology we use and what the policy has been internally around how these, how e-auctions and e-sourcing has been deployed, you know, we may be a little bit skeptical about how, uh, about how it works or about the success rate. But my guest today, Jakob Gorm Larsen from Moneyball CPH, is actually going to explain how a lot of it is completely within our own destiny. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the trends and uh, and some of the factors that go into ensuring that e-sourcing can be successful in a completely platform agnostic way. I'm sure we agree we've all got our favorite or least favorite platforms out there. We're not going to talk specifics about platforms, but we are going to talk around a lot of the tips and tactics uh, that Jakob has experienced during his long career in this space. So Jakob, thank you for joining me and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. So... Your book is really tackling a topic, like I said in the intro, that is, you know, a love-hate thing within procurement professionals. So just give us a quick overview of of your history of using e-auctions, how you came into procurement, your corporate career, uh, and, and then how you've pivoted into what you're doing now so as we can then sort of dive into a bit more detail. Yeah, absolutely. But but let me start actually uh, just picking up on one of the things that you say, because you're right, uh, a topic like e-auctions, it do divide a lot of things within procurement. And it's actually the reason why I decided to write that book, because I had so many discussions and so many conversations with people who understood a little bit about it, but maybe didn't get the full picture. So I decided that I wanted to write the book that I would have liked to have read myself when I started this journey back uh, in 2007, 8, 8, I think it was, uh, with e-sourcing and e-auctions. So I actually think the main challenge is that people don't fully understand the concept. Can all? It's not really about technology, it's about how you apply it. So it is, as you said, it's within our control and with the right approach. There's no company, there's no industry that can't 
benefit from e-sourcing and e-auctions. Uh, my background um, is that I've, I've worked in this space in procurement for around 20 years now. Uh, most of the time with Maersk, the uh, uh, global shipping company, uh, who used to be a conglomerate, by the way. So we would operate in retail, uh, in uh, oil and gas, in offshore, in uh, uh, logistics, uh, and, a, and a couple of other industries as well. Uh, and and I uh, learned by introducing e-sourcing across all these industries that it's not really an industry or category-specific thing. It can be applied if you have the right approach across all industries. So um, know after, after spending a little more than a decade running the program at Maersk, um, I, uh, I decided to write uh, the book. And then after that came out and the interest that that sparked, uh, here I am uh, a little bit a year later running my uh, advisory within digital procurement, where I do a lot of e-sourcing, e-auction advice, but also uh, I'm also supporting uh, companies on their sort of broader digital uh, transformations of procurement. So we we play in a similar space, albeit coming at it from different angles in the, you know, I'm more in the understanding the complete breadth of the market of what's out there in terms of procurement tech. You're very much focused on e-auctions and also a lot more hands-on in terms of you know helping with implementation and change management as well with what you do. How has this technology impacted your career at Maersk over the years in terms of you know how has it evolved and how have some of the new features that we're seeing in platforms enabled you and your team in the past to, to get more uh, to get more or better results? Uh, out of the auctions, or perhaps even to expand it to more categories of spend. So I think first of all, it was a fantastic uh, ride that we had with e-sourcing and e-auctions uh, at Maersk. We um, we launched it uh, in um, in a time of I would say large or big degree of financial uncertainty. You know, right at the brink of the financial uh, crisis. Which, which really put the, the company in, in dire straits and in, in a lot of challenges, uh, I would say. So we lost a lot of money uh, those years. So there was a desperate need for securing uh, cost savings. Actually, I'd say there's a lot of similarities to uh, the situation right now where we have a record level uh, uh, inflation all over the world. We have a potential recession coming in. So my bet is that we will see within the next uh, month or maybe six months a huge drive for uh, something like e-auctions again and technologies in general that can help companies take out cost and bring down uh, uh, the overall cost base. Uh, and that was exactly what we used it for in uh, in Maersk. We, um, we, when we needed it the most, we got huge support from all the way up in the company to introduce it and to push it and promote it and drive it quite hard across all areas of, of the company. Uh, and we also realized during that that it's 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 part of the DNA of uh, of our procurement function. This constant we you know we, we need to own the cost agenda. And one very efficient way of doing that is to apply e-sourcing, e-auction. We also added a lot of sourcing optimization uh, capabilities later on so that we have a full toolbox on how we can digitally tackle uh, the market to ensure that we are always cost competitive within uh, the different markets that we were operating in at the time. And in your book, 
you've split into five sections or five pillars of being able to have a successful e or e auction or e sourcing strat uh, e or e auction um, outcome in 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 a business. They are definition, strategy, bidder engagement, adoption and change management, and then the future of e auctions. I want to tackle the first two together because they're kind of combined. So, talk to me a little bit about e auctions versus e sourcing first of all because they are they're not synonyms are they and the definition a lot of people think of e auctions as just being doing a, as just doing a reverse auction but e the broader e sourcing and having a single source of truth and non price factors included in a transparent rfx processes is part of that as well so talk to us about definition and how that impacts the strategy of rolling that out into the business yeah, so so you're absolutely right. Of course, they're not the same. So so e-sourcing is is a bit broader in my uh, in in my terminology at least, uh, and that covers the entire process. Whereas e-auctions is the negotiation uh, part of it, uh, and it is so much more than just a a bidding exercise or a simple reverse auction. Um, that's also why in my book I define an e-auction as. Uh, an online uh, market-driven negotiation based on total value with commitment. Uh, and, it's, and it's important. The definition is absolutely key for understanding the potential of auctions if you drive it uh, strategically. Uh, so first of all, it has to be uh, market-driven. So you need, of course, multiple suppliers to participate in your negotiation. But the total value piece is actually... Um, another essential part of the definition. So a lot of companies where they fail with auctions is that they don't get the total value part included in their approach. And and everybody recognizes that not all suppliers are alike and not all negotiations, actually, very few negotiations are purely price-based. So if you want a real negotiation, you need to be able to include other parameters. And that's a thing I cover extensively. And it's also, it's probably one of the top myths, this, that e-auctions, that's just about price. Well, if you don't fully understand it, yes, then it might only be about price. But if you do it right, you can include any parameter in your uh, auctions. And that's a prerequisite for the last and maybe the most important part of the uh, definition, which is commitment. If you don't commit or award based on the auction result, it's not a real negotiation. Then it's a, a market benchmark exercise. And that's where you get a lot of the bitter frustration in as well, because why are we doing this? Are we doing this just to give you a, a benchmark and then we waste the time and, and we play negotiation here? Yeah, so as they can just go and beat up their incumbent supplier, right? And that's where it becomes short-sighted and where it's not sustainable. You have to treat suppliers with respect. You have to be consistent. You have to award business with how you've said you're going to do it uh, upfront. So commitment, in my <laughs> in my view, is an absolutely essential part of running a sustainable auction program. If you do that, then you'll also get the respect and the acceptance from your supply base to uh, to participate in these events. And that comes nicely then to the next part, which is about bidder engagement and then going on from there around adoption internally and taking people on the change management journey. But before we do that, I wanted to just touch on some of the biggest impacts of technological change when it comes to e-auction software, because 
you mentioned, we, we spoke a little bit just about non-price factors. And honestly, 10 years ago, or definitely 15 years ago, it wasn't really possible to evaluate that in the platform, was it? I mean, they, you could you could incorporate it in questionnaires, but then you had to do a lot of the analysis then offline or in Excel or in subsequent negotiations. But but now with platforms that can that, that can feed in data from companies like Rapid Ratings or EcoVardis on things like environmental or financial, or that can do commodity price indices as 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 part built into the platform. I know Archlet for example, has been very active in making these integrations. That is now, it is a game changer, isn't it? As well as things like incorporating game theory and and, and having automation and AI uh, and and machine learning as part of the the sourcing uh, process to enable, you know, sort of suggested pricing even in some cases. Arkestro has been been doing that. So there are examples already out there. Do you think that is facilitating bidder engagement that they're not just going to get beaten up on price and in turn that's helping internal stakeholders also become more engaged in the process knowing that procurement are not just going to run a price benchmark as an auction? Yeah, no, but absolutely. And there's some here the last couple of years, two, three years, extremely interesting to work in this field and see the new developments. And I would also agree with you that now they come more embedded with integrations to, for example, Covadis and and other such things. But it's actually not correct to say that it wasn't possible 10, 15 years ago. So Glenn Meekham, who founded Free Markets 25 years ago, which was the first sort of auction platform, they actually uh, they submitted a patent for um, transformational bidding, which is exactly the feature or the opportunity to negotiate non-price parameters online. The problem with that was just that very few users were actually using it. So I've, 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 I've discussed right. with companies who have been applying this for 15, 20 years very successfully, but I've also talked with, with companies who were simply not aware that this was was possible, and so it's again, it's more on the bitter uh, and more more on the bitter adoption and how you apply the technology. The patent was awarded twenty years ago for for developing exactly this kind of feature, but That's there's a lot been added. So uh, so it's not a new thing, but it's just very few have been using it. Do you think part of the problem was then, or, or is still in some cases that? the technology requires too much training or is not particularly user-friendly and just the vast majority of procurement professionals that are maybe only running two or three tenders per year through the platforms don't know all of the features. That, that's absolutely part of the explanation uh, as well. Uh, but I will also say that here, you know, you, you mentioned a few of the newer uh, solutions that are out there where Usability is really uh, one of the design criteria, and that's that's great to see that that is getting uh, higher up on on the list. Um, but um, but you're but you're absolutely right that it's you 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 know you don't become a, a Formula One driver by by putting yourself in a Formula One car. You need training to drive it if you want the full value from the tool, or else then you'll just drive it as a as a normal car. And that won't give you the full uh, value. So something like a center of excellence, something like getting the right support and the right training, I, I see as 
just as important. Uh, and then, and I guess we'll, we'll get to that in a second, in combination with extensive change management, because that's the that's actually, I think, the main barrier still for adoption here is the lack of buy-in from uh, the, the, the procurement community. So they need convincing that they should change behavior, that this technology will do it uh, not only faster, but also significantly better if we adopt it. Yeah, I think that's key, isn't it? Because procurement professionals now, especially with likely a recession around the corner or even or even here already, procurement professionals are again, just like in COVID, going to have to do more with less resource and you know, giving them a, a, an electronic sourcing platform that creates more work for them or, or is perceived to, it is not going to bring them on board. So I think going back to your point, use a bit, I mean, yes, it depending on the complexity and the size of the business and the complexity of the commodities or the services being being sourced through it, features are going to be important. But there is there's another argument, isn't there, to say, you know, if you want to bring some of your more tactical spend through e-sourcing platforms, you're probably not going to do auctions. But if you want to have a single source of truth for the classic, you know, three bids and a buy type of one-time spend instead of having it stuck in someone's email inbox or desk drawer, you've got to make that tool easier to use. Or you've perhaps, you know, looking more now towards the future, you've got to look at maybe something that does autonomous negotiations or can do some sort of machine learning generated sourcing or, or scraping for supplier scouting to, to alleviate some of the work, some of the tactical procurement work from the procurement teams. And, and that's the fantastic thing about what has been going on here over the last couple of years, that if you look 10 years back, the only digital option you, you truly had for addressing your sourcing needs, whether strategic or tactically, was the, you know, the out-of-the-box e-sourcing platforms and including auctions. But today, we have a range of different solutions. You have a Orchestral, who is doing the predictive uh, part of procurement. So why even negotiate if we can predict uh, the price and then use that as an anchor towards the suppliers? You have uh, a Pactum who is introducing a chatbot as the negotiator of this kind of, of tailspin uh, and a range of other solutions. So Yeah, you've got Kielvar as well, haven't you, that's doing the, that, that's doing the sort of tactical spend on sort of high spend, high impact commodities. I mean, Ocean Freight was, was, was their sort of key, a key example, but yeah, that's another one. Yeah, so, so Kielvar do sourcing optimization, but then they also do the, their sourcing bots for, for example, Ocean Freight. So, so for the first time, I think, in, in history, uh, the procurement uh, uh, organizations have a full digital toolbox available for how to address their spend in you know times of economic uncertainty, rising prices, you know recession potentially coming, etc. And I think that will be extremely interesting, and I think it'll be a differentiator. So those organizations who manage to truly embrace all of these opportunities turn their spend fast and efficient versus the the laggards that are still not you know still struggling with just getting started on digital sourcing you'll see a huge spread between how those organizations perform and, and I think that'll come out pretty clear here over the next year or so 
Hey, so just a quick interlude to let you know about procurementsoftware.site. This is a new website that I recently launched to give you, the listener, a free-to-access intuitive guide to digital procurement technology. You can filter on a multitude of different criteria and pick out a short list of procurement software solutions that are relevant to your business and your needs in less time than it takes to boil an egg. No corporate subscriptions, no complex jargon, and definitely no pay-to-play model. We are a completely transparent, open book, and we really want to get your feedback on what we can really do to make this user experience better and constantly improve so as we're providing value to you. Check out procurementsoftware.site. And now let's get right back to this week's podcast. To what extent do you think technology will be the driver in you know, extending the reach of e-sourcing. And by that, I mean, you know, if we compare it to things like recruitment and retainment of the right talent, more entrepreneurial leadership, um, e- even price and budget to invest in to invest in technology. And the one that we spoke about a little bit earlier, you know, change management uh, in general. I, I don't actually, I, I think it's, it's 90% uh, people driven. So it's it's not really the technology, it's all in the heads of the people who need to apply it. But I do think that we'll see, when you look at recruitment for procurement positions, you'll see more focus on how data savvy are you? Are you able to juggle and do analytics on on large data sets? But also how tech or, or digital savvy are you and how is your mindset on those things? So I think the days will soon be gone where... You have the old school negotiator who has done this for 30 years and I'll go in and then I'll swing suppliers around and get a good deal. <laughs> I think we'll soon uh, we'll see soon see the last of, of those uh, profiles and it'll be much more uh, digital savvy people who with the use of different technologies for different problems will be sort of the, the, the top performers or the stars of, uh, of the procurement uh, community in the future. No, Jakob, I completely agree with you. And I also think in terms of leadership as well, the, the technocrat or the policeman will soon become a thing of the past and will be focused more on sort of entrepreneurial mindset and agility in terms of getting things done rather than following a process, or I certainly hope so. Final question. I know you're a busy guy and you've got another meeting to run to. So if anyone would like to find, more, find out more about you or connect or perhaps get a copy of the book, uh, where is the best place that they can, uh, that they can reach you? So LinkedIn, I'm pretty active on and people are always welcome to reach out. I also have my webpage, moneyballcph.com, where you can find information both on uh, the services we offer, uh, the book, uh, and how to get connected. So LinkedIn or the webpage, moneyballcph.com. And we will link to all of those in the show notes. Jakob, it's been an absolute pleasure. I could talk to you probably for an hour on this over a beer at some point, and I'm sure we will... (laughs) <laughs> at some at some point in future, get the opportunity to do that. But uh, thank you very much for coming on. Pleasure to talk to you. And, uh, and yeah, good luck with your future ventures. Thank you. And good to meet you, James. Bye. So that was a quick 20-minute masterclass on e-sourcing and ensuring that it can be a success in your business. Check out the links if you'd like to connect with Jakob. Uh, in the meantime, if you're looking to get a complete overview of what's out there in the e-sourcing space, 
We've got, I think, 26 solutions listed on procurementsoftware.site, depending on what specifics you're looking for. Uh, head over there and use the filters to find what you're looking for. And hopefully we can find the right solution for your particular needs. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. Appreciate every single one of you that downloads what we're doing here. Until next time, take care and bye for now.